welcome back to run that ish back i don't know why i just said it like that but yeah you guys welcome back to run that ish back we are on episode eight um this episode is going to be called take care um just saying that we're on episode eight is like whoa um we're over halfway through. Like I thought I was going to do like 12 episodes a season. So we're over halfway through. And I'm just always shocked by, you know, people listening, telling me they like the things that I said or found them funny. Um, yeah, it's one thing to be funny amongst your friends, but then having other people share that with you. It's like, yeah, okay, Lauren, you're doing your damn thing. So yes, we're at episode eight. Um, and let's get into it. Um, this episode is called Take Care, um, after our girl Swahidi, who quoted one of Drake's greatest albums, in my opinion, Take Care. Um, the album came out in 2011. I remember listening to this album every day, heavily, like every day. Um, it was between this album and, um, Ambition by Wale just two great pieces of work and I think they just kind of fit my lifestyle at that moment um my favorite song off of take care is look what you done mm, it's such a great look what you done done um yeah it's just a good song um so yeah let's get into it first thing on the list is oh you hear that note culture all right so, uh, recently Kirk Franklin has come under fire for being a Christian who curses. And I'm sorry, I see no wrongs. I see no wrongs. Um, what happened is that Kirk Franklin's 33 year old son called him. I don't know. We don't know the prior conversation, but most likely saying something reckless and decided to record his father's reaction. And Kirk Franklin went off. Now, I don't really think he went off off because he wasn't using like double uh, cuss words. And what I mean by that, he wasn't using like motherfucker. Um, he was just like, you know, ass, damn, fuck. I guess those type of curse words. And I guess the son thought like we were going to cancel Kirk Franklin. And as the daughter of um, two ministers, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I haven't really heard my parents curse, curse for real. But um, yeah, Christians are very uh, creative in the words that they use in place of curse words. So like my father's is, what in the name of God? And I think that's his what the fuck. Um, um, or my mother would be like, the devil is a liar. I think she'd be like, get the fuck. Um, but yeah, I don't think he's canceled because my thing about it is that, sir, you're not even 10, 12, you're 33. So your father's not required to do a damn thing for you after 18. Sometimes fathers are not even required to do anything with you or for you before 18. So that's not about to happen. If anything, I'm more interested in what happened in the conversation for him to go off like that. Supposedly, Kirk Franklin came up on Instagram and decided that he wanted to apologize to his fans, saying that he lost his temper. And I'm just like, I couldn't be a celebrity because I don't need to apologize for a damn thing. Because what happens between my family or in my house is my house. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, he's supposed to be a man of God. I think a lot of people equate Christianity to perfection. And um, maybe because I grew up in the church or maybe because like I've been like very close to it. I don't think we should have those type of thoughts because Christians, like every other person, they sin and they make mistakes. Um, 
So we shouldn't be looking to people as the guiding force for our relationship with God, more so God in itself. And regardless of our relationship with God, we still fall short of his mercies every day. Ooh, that is that apostolic church rising up in my soul. My parents would be very proud of this little testimony I just gave. But yes, um, Kurt Franklin's not being canceled. <laughs> and all the memes about um, like him cursing out his son and singing Stomp in the background, it brought me great laughter. I'm sorry to you, young man. I'm sorry to you. I'm sorry that you had experiences. I'm sorry that you thought you were going to get some other reaction. Yeah, her Franklin's still here. We're still watching Tiny Desk, and I'm still going to sing along to melodies from heaven as if I've never heard it before. Okay? Sorry. Next, um, can we talk about Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle? Uh, I don't really have too much of an opinion on it yeah we all know that the family in general is just a very much so racist family so I'm not really shocked by anything that was shared nor was anything that shared uh moved me um I think it's fucked up that she had to experience these things um I don't think it's fucked up because it's the royal family I just think it's fucked up that she had to experience these things um but what I can say, something that she said to me that just doesn't sit right with my soul is Megan was like, oh, she didn't really research the family. She just thought she was dating Prince Harry. <laughs> and it don't sit right with me. Um, you thought you were dating a prince and did not feel the need to research. I don't know if she's lying or if she's just stupid. Um, because I can't even date an individual from the block without doing an Instagram search. And you were dating a whole prince and just to even see like how much money you could come into you didn't do no research yeah megan i don't know maybe it's the karen in you because you know you half white i don't know but the little black side the mother that i saw from california with the dreads i don't think she would have told you not to do any research um with the whole idea of how dark the baby was going to be the baby's not that megan's not dark so it's not like you got the black of the berry the sweet of the juice the dark of the flesh or the deep of the roots no you got a light bright the baby is not going to be um that dark and to be honest with you these children are not that really good looking so you might need some color but that's another topic and i only talk about children because i don't plan on having any more god bless me with two beautiful children but yes, that those children are not like, uh, look back at them. Um, so yeah, let's focus on that. And the queen and your husband, y'all look like you are next to death. I think they're evidence of God's grace because I just don't know why you're still here. Am I shocked? And will I say that I am surprised that this has happened? No, no. Racism is very alive in this world. And sometimes he will be forgetting that the world is bigger than America. You had a whole royal family that has, you know, profit off of the backs of other people. And you thought black people weren't going to be included in that groups of other people that they profit off of? No, I'm sorry. And it wasn't really even juicy to me because like you be wanting name drops and we didn't really get any name drops because even if we got one, I don't know who these people are. I remember people were like really into watching the royal wedding. Um, I think the best thing about the royal wedding that I saw was the black choir and the grandson that had on the black little blazer. Um, I still have that screenshot on my phone. But other than that, it was just a little lackluster for me. Yeah, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry to that woman. I'm sorry that she had to experience that. But yeah, Megan, bring yourself over to America. Things might be better. Also, on this topic, shout out to our boy Tyler. And let me tell you why I'm going to shout Tyler Perry out. A lot of people shit on Tyler Perry because he decided to wear a dress um, to make himself famous. And I'm just like... Yeah, it might not sit well with a lot of people. And, you know, people like Jay-Z and J. Cole have made, like, lyrics about him in their songs. But what I can say is when this man gets out of this dress, he does a lot for the Black community. He has his own studios. Um, He's offered those studios to some of the greatest movies that we like to watch now. He hires Blacks. He teaches Blacks. He gives his money back to Black communities. Um, And, you know, he really looks out for Black people. And I think that level of commitment to our um, our minority group can't be looked over just because he decides to wear dresses and make people laugh. Now, do I feel as though he needs to bring some other writers in the room? Yes. Yes. Um, Will I watch a media movie? (laughs) It has to be like the move for because all of them have the same stories. But what I can say is that black people love them and they're making money for him. And with that money, he's helping other black people. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tyler. Shout out to you. You are a real black man for defending people and protecting people, even when they don't even know if they need it from you. So shout out to Tyler Perry in that situation. You can wear that Medea dress if it's going to continue to help you to help more people. All right. Um, another thing about culture, these Grammy outfits. And I'm going to talk about her later on. But um, Meg Stallion gave me very much so 98 proms in this outfit. The hairstyle, the color, the high split. I was just like, yeah, this is really giving me Houston year 98 high school prom. She looked good, but it was just like, mm, mm. Um, even Beyonce, I don't know. I was like, I guess they're doing all black to show like black pride, black panther. But I was like, Beyonce, that little stiff hair is just not doing it for me. It just isn't. Um, what I do respect about Jay-Z is that how he has a full head of hair over 40 years old. And it must be that vegan life. I don't know. But yeah, none of the looks really did it for me. Um, Even if we're talking about the Grammys, you know who really bothers me? Taylor Swift. People love her, but I don't get it. Her talent is just not there for me, but I think it's just like white woman shit. You know, you don't have to be great in much, you know, just a little bit, kind of like butter on toast. You don't really add much effect, but people still love you. You're rich in the community. And I think that's what she is. She's better on toast. Now, she's not no strawberry jelly, but she's better on toast and people continue to use her over years. And that's what I think. Um, Yeah, whatever. I think something else that came from the Grammys is, you know, Beyonce getting as many Grammys as she has and making, you know, history. And I think a lot of people I saw in comments were like, oh, but they didn't come to the Grammys of years before. But once it profits them, they show up. And this is what I'm going to say. Listen, I get it. None of these award shows are really pulling in the numbers that they used to. I get it. We're not watching BET Awards, so what else are we going to watch? We're going to watch this, all right? And what I can say is, yeah, I don't think these Grammys really mean much of anything to, like, big artists because I don't think they get extra money or get money when getting a Grammy. I might need to research that. But I think it meant something big for the Black community 
for Beyonce to be there to win that reward and just like really just speak on this the disparities that you know the black community is experiencing similar to Tyler Perry Jay-Z and Beyonce have really done a lot for the black community now have we all understood everything that they've done no you know are we supposed to no but they really do stand up for the black community and what I can say is that like Beyonce has kind of grown in her craft more from this pop music to really creating something that we can look back on and be like yeah damn Beyonce was the one that made like a two-hour music video and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Beyonce stan but I'm just like you know they're using, um, you know, their voices for something great. When she stated that Nina Simone line, I was like, yeah, she gets it. Artists are responsible for re reflecting the times in their music, and she's doing that. She's taking, you know, this platform, this access that she has, and really just bridging the gap between multiple communities. So shout out to Beyonce. The Grammy shit don't mean nothing to me, but we can't say that she ain't doing nothing great. All right. On to the next Lauren Gems. I have about three, I believe. Um, the first one is about our girl Mag Stallion. So we know that she won, what, two Grammys? Two Grammys off of her first real album. Two Grammys, hot girl shit. Just insert that. Um, and I think the gem that I have there is, what's for you is for you. Um, I really couldn't understand that. I remember growing up a lot of times and learning about favor and grace and just thinking about it as something like favor as when something great happens to you. But I think sometimes favor is similar to like grace and mercy when you don't get what you deserve and when you do get what you do deserve. And I think Meg is an example of like, no matter how many mistakes you make, how many wrong people that you're around or how much you don't think it's working out for you, God knows the end plan and what's for you is for you. You can't mess it up. You can't, you know, you can't delay it. No one can take it away from you. What is for you is for you. And that's how it happens. I think, you know, a lot of people just think that she's for the butt, the beauty, you know, you know, that's the sex appeal. And that's all in her own choice. But obviously, you know, she's brought something here. She's able to take something away. I think she's a way better rapper than Cardi B. And that's not to be woman bashing. But and Cardi B won a uh, Grammy last year, the year before. And I'm just like, well, I don't know how she got that. But yeah, Megan, it's really big for her to like be idolizing Beyonce her whole life being from Houston and then end up like winning a Grammy one of your first Grammys with the person that you idolize and I think the lesson we can take from that is what's for you is for you continue living in your truth continue pushing after what you want and you know all of us have a plan we may not know what the plan is God knows and you know he shows up sometimes in very mysterious ways so yeah when you don't get something, don't feel bad about it. It's just not your time. And maybe it wasn't for you. Maybe it's a sign of protection. That's what I tell myself. Sometimes I tell myself that I've never lost anything in life because if it was supposed to be for me, I wouldn't have lost it. That's just a way to look at things. Next gem is sometimes you just have to let white women white women. So I'm not going to go big into the whole idea that I have about white women in general, but I am going to talk about Sharon Osbourne. Um, as you know, she's on the show called, I think, The Talk. Um, and it's like, um, yeah, like a table of like different women talking about world events. So a few weeks ago, 
Um, she was on the episode when they were talking about Meghan Markle and how this British reporter or news anchor was basically harassing her because Meghan decided not to date him anymore or go out with him. She only went out with him one time and then the next time she was seen, she was dating the prince. So he has like this real vendetta against Meghan. So um, Cheryl Underwood was telling the story and basically saying that like, um, you know, if you're friends with him, people might associate you with the same beliefs that he has. Um, and so Sharon goes on like this big rant, cursing and everything, talking when they were like exiting out to the commercial, basically yelling, trying to figure out why Elena and Cheryl was insinuating that people might view her as a racist because um, the British reporter, I think his name is Pierce. Or is like a, a racist also. So like she goes on yelling like, I don't understand why you would say this. I'm not a racist. Just because he does that and he's my friend doesn't mean that these are the things. I don't think he's a racist. I don't think he's problematic. And so it goes on and goes on in very white woman fashion. So then she begins to yell at Cheryl like in her little tears talking about, tell me what's the problem. Tell me what I've done wrong. Tell me why people are going to see me as a racist. And so Cheryl as a black woman, and like who has a job who's not trying to use her lose her job she kind of interacts with her and it's just like you know people might see this because this is your friend and your friend has these beliefs so you know they might associate you with his beliefs and she and Sharon just doesn't get it and what gets me what really pissed me off is like why does a black woman a black grown woman have to tell another white older woman like her wrongdoings like no one has to tell me when I've done something wrong because I know it but one thing about white women they always are so oblivious especially to racism or especially to problematic shit when they're called out on it like they just get uncomfortable like they have black friends they work with black people so of course they can't be racist no that, that no no honey you still can be racist you can have preference um but it's just like so uh cheryl just begins to explain it to her and she's just still acting stupid yelling and stuff and she was like oh cheryl if you're my friend i am insulted that you would say something like this to me honey are we really friends or are we just co-workers because you know white women always want to say that like i'm your friend and i've had this experience but are we really friends have i really met any of your friends outside of the workplace because i don't think that's what makes us friends um so then elena came up and was just like you know if you're friends with someone that has these type of views, you know, society might think that you share the same views as this person because y'all are friends and they might think that um, that you are racist or the perception might be that you're racist. And it just falls off of Sharon's ears like she just can't understand it. And my gem is like sometimes you have to let white women be white women because historically like black people just have a nature of trying to like save white people. Like we always have a way of trying to save our oppressors. And like I'm just not in the vibe of that anymore. Let her be as ignorant as she is. Let her show her ass because at the end of the day, she still has more privilege than any of us have. Because if you ever watch the Osborne show, it's just ghetto. I remember it was like when I was a kid, it's like VH1. MTV talking about their lifestyle and they just did weird shit like the husband um he just seems like he's always on drugs the son I think he had like an issue with drugs um the daughter went from being fat to small it's just a crazy family and if you do deeper research you find out that Sharon has had like racial issues on the show in the past and she still hasn't been fired and that's why I'm just like let white women be white women because for some reason white women have a rope that's just that just keeps on growing they can continue to do shit that's problematic and they never hang themselves because the rope never gives out. 
Um, and I just think it's a problem. But what even pisses me off even more is that Kevin Frazier does an interview with Sharon and basically like gives her these soft questions. Oh, like what happened that day? What led up to that moment? Why do you feel like this is what you wanted to say? What is it that you wanted to say? And I'm just like, black men be cooning like no other. Like cooning, tap dancing for master. Yes, a master. You want me to go to the fuse? All right, all right. I got your card in. All right. You want me to sing and jive for you? All right. Like that's the vibe I get. So he gives her this soft ass interview and then basically calls on other black women to be like, you know, don't treat her so mad. Don't so bad. Don't like try to dismiss her. You know, use this as like a learning lesson or like a way to teach her or make it teachable. And it's just like, nah, that's not what we doing. We're not teaching people basic human skills. That's not what we're doing because for some reason, black people don't ever get the same amount of grace that white people get. And at the end of the day, even if we did, no adult should have to teach another adult how to be a basic human and how to be an adult. She's problematic. And the thing about it is like the show is now on a hiatus due to the issue and due to like a bunch of people like calling in and like calling for her to be fired. And it just lets me know that like white women have so much space to be white because the show has basically been on a hiatus for almost a week and a half now instead of just firing her and just starting over. And it's just like, oh, so y'all just gonna let it cool down and she's still gonna be able to come back on TV? Fuck that, who is she? Is she interesting? Is she that interesting? I don't really watch the talk, so I don't really know if she's interesting, but at the end of the day, she can't be but so interesting. Um, Even if she is, if she's having problematic statements, she has to go. She was cursing on like, day television that is not what happens so yeah she has to go um but the lesson is don't try to come say don't be captain save a hoe for these white women just let them be who they are they'll cry they'll make apologies and they'll say you just don't understand i've experienced it but nothing about them changes they are consistently that way um another gem here's a big one happiness is like a job it's a daily choice and it doesn't happen just because you want to be happy. It's something that you have to work at and because what I'm seeing a lot um, is that like it's like the comparison syndrome. Like you see somebody have something online and then automatically you look at your life and just like, oh, I want that. But sometimes it's not something that you've ever really thought about before. So like I've fallen into the thing of like you see someone buy a house and then it's automatically like, oh, damn, I don't have a house at this age. What am I doing wrong? And then you have to ask yourself, do you really want a house or do you want this goal or this accomplishment because you see other people doing it? And I think that plays into the role of happiness is because you then begin to base your own happiness on what you see other people doing for their happiness. Let your happiness be very personal. Let it be something that is aligned to you and let it be something that you pursue every day. It can't be depending on the Joneses. It has to be very much so dependent on you. And then in the world of social media, I think sometimes that like we just get wrapped up into like what other people are doing and then become depressed and sad or even jealous because like we want these things that other people have and it's not even like what makes us happy i'm sorry like in the big scape of things like i might want to be like yeah i want a house but for real for real it doesn't sit well with me because right now i don't necessarily know if i want to continue to live in new jersey or new york do i want to live somewhere else is it something that i really want to be committed to do i want the responsibility but you know these are the questions i'm asking myself but when i go on instagram 
I see people 28, 29, 30, 32 at the latest, like buying houses, doing all these things with families. And then it can make you think, oh, it's something wrong with me. Nah, it's not. That's not what you want. That's what's not bringing you happiness. So yeah, congratulate them, be happy for them, but also know that that's not where your happiness is lined up. Like for instance, my happiness is being able to travel and I'm able to travel a little freely outside of COVID when I don't have certain responsibility or certain weights. Um, I'm able to do what I like because of like what my lifestyle supports. So right now, I think you have to choose your own happiness. And before even choosing your own happiness, you have to come what somewhat like identify what makes you happy or identify what did you want and just really seek those things. Those things shouldn't be based on what you see online or what other people are doing. It should be very much so personal. Something that makes you happy could be like maybe going out to eat once a week. Something like brings me happiness is buying sneakers and that's very small. Um, or something could be just like, you know, spending time with your family. They might seem like very small things, but if it makes you happy, it makes you happy. Don't fall into the situation of comparison, you guys. All right. That's all I have for Lauren Gems. But now let's jump into this news. So our little president, Joe, bitty bitty Biden, um, told us that vaccinations, if we all are vaccinated, we shall be vaccinated by May. But if we're all vaccinated, we could be outside outside in July. Now, I was a little hesitant of the little shot, right? But there's a chance that I might have to go back to work in a few weeks. So I am taking the vaccination in about two days. I'll let you guys know how that goes. I've seen a lot of people like take it and only have had syndromes of like dehydration or tiredness or fatigue. So I'm expecting those things. Um, so I plan to like drink water and liquids like up to those days. So I'm prepared. I also think that I may have had COVID early last January before it became a thing. I was sick about for a week, like tired, fever, like just, just could not move. Um, and I think it was Corona, but when I went to the doctor, they was like, oh, maybe it's the flu because at that time I was like nine months pregnant. So they couldn't really give me any medicine, but yeah, I think I've already had Corona. So, um, yeah, I'll let you guys know how it goes. But I would say some of you all need to get vaccinated um, because I'm tired of wearing masks. I'm tired of knowing my house like no other place in the world and I'm ready to be out and to travel. I think one of the main reasons I'm taking the shot is because I want to travel. Now, I understand why people are a little suspect because you know how medicine has played in the black community and how we've kind of been used as like test dummies. I get it. Um, I would say take Moderna or Pfizer. Now I'm no, I'm no specialist. Do your own research. Those are the two ones that I was willing to take. Um, I'm not really feeling Johnson and Johnson because I don't understand how it's a one shot all thing when everybody else is doing two shots. Also, you know, Johnson and Johnson has a history of really giving women cancer. So that stood out to me. But yeah, I'm going to take the shot because I want to be able to travel. I don't want another summer like last summer. I just really want to be out there. So yeah, if you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you're still questioning, do your research, wear your mask. I don't think vaccination means that you don't need to wear your mask. I think we still need to be wearing our masks because it's still dangerous. But yeah, I think everyone should do what they can do to be educated and to make the best decision for themselves. All right. Next, stimmy, 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 stimmy. Now, 
another thing that really gets me about the internet is like the judgment. But before I get there, let me go. So Biden approved with the Senate for every person making under $75,000 to get $1,400 as a STEMI. Mm-hmm. About damn time because that $600 was not kicking it. All right. And if you have children, you get $1,400. And then it was also something possible. I'm not for sure that you can get $300 a month for childcare if you had young children. I don't know about that. Right. So people are getting their stimulus. And as always, when it comes with money or tax season, it always grinds my gears um, that people just have so much opinion about what other people do with their lives. And so let me say this. I filed taxes maybe for the last eight or nine years, right? Um, and almost every year, except me one year, I've received money back. And I've done whatever the fuck I wanted to do with that money. Now, if it was balling out, I balled out. If it was buying a bag, it was buying a bag. If it was taking a trip, I took a trip. If it was catching up on my bills, I did that. And it was my goddamn business. Um, but with these stimulus checks, one, I think people are judging people because they're like, oh, you don't make over $80,000. Girl, it's 2020, 21. 2021. I said 2020, It is 2021. You have people that don't have jobs because of the pandemic. You also have people that are barely surviving. So if they want to use their stimulus on whatever the fuck they want to use it on, it is their business. If people want to go to Miami for a weekend, it is their business. If, um... You know, people want to use it to save. That is their choice. Um, I think I've never understood why, like, people judge people for what they do with their money. And I'm not going to lie to you. When I go into Target in the month of February, almost up to April, I kind of get annoyed because you see random people in there buying random ass shit. And I'm always in my head, oh, it's tax season. It's tax season. Because when you get tax money, it's extra money and you just find things to buy. That's what I be thinking in my head. Because I also do the same thing. Um, the worst place for me to be when tax season approaches is um, Target. And um, I think sometimes people be looking at tax season when people get a lot of money back is because they don't make no money. And I don't necessarily think that's true. So I think I make a good living in my career. And um, what I do is I only file for myself. Meaning that I file for one and then sometimes for federal, I file for almost zero or state I file for zero. So I always get money back because I don't really file for both of my children. And that's not a reflection of, oh, she makes so money. That's why she's getting that much money back. It's because of what I've decided to do with my money throughout the year. And even if I made no money, it is still my choice to do what I want to do. The government owes us this money. And for us to be judging people about what they choose to do with it isn't my business. And I think the biggest thing I can say from this, and then I'm going to move on, is just like, how are you judging people for what they're doing with their life that has nothing to do with you? That's more cornier than people buying a car with their semi. It's like, how are you investing your time to judge other people for things that they are doing that has not a damn thing to do with you? Mind your damn business. If you didn't get a STEMI, I'm sorry. If I got a STEMI, I'm using it on whatever the fuck I want to spend it on. And it's no judgment here. Like, we just got to stop. Oh, you get a stimulus, but you don't buy an LLC. What am I buying an LLC for if I don't have no business? Oh, you get a stimulus, but you don't buy a passport. I don't want to travel. You would need more than $1,400 to travel anyway. God damn. Um, or 
you get a stimulus, but you don't set your kids up for college. $1,400 is not going to be the amount that saves your child from being able to not file for financial aid. And it's just like these dumb things. Oh, you get $1,400, but you don't have a down payment on a house. What fucking house are you getting for $1,400? My rent is more expensive than $1,400. So it's just like, oh, y'all sound stupid. Let people be free. Let people do whatever they wanted to do. Because the reason that the government gave us this money is so we can pour back into the world so they can make more money. But that might just go over your head. Yeah, I just don't, I don't get the stimmy shame. It doesn't sit well with me. Now, let me take a moment. About a week and a half ago, a white terrorist, like the same ones that climb up the Capitol wall, decided to go through Atlanta and shoot up um, Asian establishments, spa establishments, because he felt tempted, meaning that he has an addiction to sex and these people were um, adding to his addiction or making it tough for him to fight his addiction. So he felt the need to kill them. Real white man shit. Mm -hmm. He felt the need to kill them. And he was having, as he said, a bad day. Now, I've had plenty of bad days based on bad decisions I've made or just, you know, it's just not being my day. But never in my all my blackness did I believe I had the privilege to go kill someone or have I ever had the desire to kill someone. So he gets arrested unharmed. <laughs> Let's say that again. He gets arrested after killing eight Asians and unharmed. Black people can't even march <laughs> and make it home safe. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets arrested and his saying based on the uh, trooper or state representative or police officer, whatever his name is, he says he was really just having a bad day. If you don't get the fuck out of here with this whiteness, a bad day, and that's what you decided to share with the world, a bad day allows you to go around terrorizing a group of people because you have an addiction that you haven't got help for and you want to kill people that represent your addiction. Get the fuck. America is just ghetto. White people are just trash. Like, if you just listen to it, like, you can't make this up. This is some type of shit that you see on, like, a comedy sketch. Something like, because it, it can't be real. But, yeah, so this is what happens with him. And then, you know, media in media white form comes back and makes a post about, this is what black people can do to stand in solidarity with Asians. And let me just give you my opinion. You might want to skip over this because it's about to be very much so uncomfortable for a lot of people. You ready? You sure? Okay, we're ready. A white man kills a group of Asians and the first thing we say is what black people can do to support Asians. Black people don't have a damn thing to do with this. And I see a lot of educators or a lot of like black influencers saying, oh, you hate Asians if you don't see what we can do to help them. It's not that I hate, hate Asians. If anything, a black person can understand what Asians are dealing with more than any other group in the world. But what I'm saying, Lauren Lee is saying, is that this is not my fight. It's not my fight. Meaning I can see the wrong and what the white man did and the wrong that the Asians have experienced, but this is not my fight. I don't need to do a damn thing. Next, let me tell you what's next on my list. 
I don't know many Asians, so I can't say this for all Asians, but the Asians I do know really align themselves with whiteness, okay? And um, because they feel as though, similar to what white people feel about black people, is that, you know, we're not the best things to be associated with. Um, so when it comes to black solidarity, I'm just like, I don't get it because where is it when the terror is not on your porch? And what I mean by that is one thing for me to support someone that has been supporting me in all my trauma for all these years and it's another thing for me to support someone that has been silent during my trauma all these years. And it just doesn't sit well with me. I'm still going to say that terrorism is wrong. I'm still going to say white people ain't shit. But what does not sit well with me is that like media is making it seem like, oh, black people should do this for this group of people. Because one thing America always seems to do is that you never want to give black people credit. But when you want to push an idea or you want to profit off of something, you go straight to the black community because you know that we are pushers like no other. And what really bothers me about black people, number three, Black people have like this um, grandma syndrome. Like, yeah, I'm gonna invite my drug dealing, drug dealing or drug addicted niece over my house, even though I know they're gonna steal from me, but I'm still gonna love them anyway. And we have this kind of sphere of like, we're always forgiving of people, especially white people for all the wrongdoings they have done for us. And we're always coming up with like new ways to protect or save them. And Lauren Lee ain't doing that. I'm sorry. It don't have shit to do with me. I'm not here to protect you or make you feel safe. That's not what we're doing. Nope, nope, nope. Try another one. I feel as though the terrorism in America sucks. I feel as though those Asian um, individuals did not have to be killed. A lot of them have families. A lot of them weren't doing anything to hurt anyone. And not a lot of them. All of them weren't doing anything but living. And it's just a fucked up way, I think, for America to be like... Yeah, black people, this is what you should do to support Asians. Get the fuck out of here. This is what white people can do to support Asians. Stop being fucking terrorists. Okay? All right. All right, on to our main topic. Um, this episode, I really wanted to talk about um, projections and insecurities. I think for the last maybe two to three weeks I've experienced, experienced this and I think it's a great way to talk about it because um, the podcast is mainly my viewpoint and how I see things. So yeah. So when I talk about projections, I talk about how you place, how an individual can place their insecurities on another person when for the most part, those in, those things have nothing to do with that person. Um, and when I say insecurities, I mean things that people are not that confident in or, you know, shy about or basically ashamed about, right? I don't think anybody um, can live in a world where they don't have insecurities. So like I have insecurities. Um, growing up, I used to be very insecure of like how big my nose was. Or before I got a little taller, I used to be insecure of like how long my arms were. Um, yeah, simple things like that. Or just the whole idea of like how black women are really pushed on the idea of having a butt and I don't really have one at all. So yeah, those are like some of my insecurities, right? Um, I even like had insecurities like when I first had my children of like insecurities of how people saw me or viewed me based on me having a child mainly without a husband, right? So yeah, those are my insecurities. But what I have noticed lately 
is that a lot of black women um and this is just my experience have interacted with me in a way of like projecting their own experiences on me and and sometimes I have struggled to like pinpoint when that's happening sometimes I struggle to be like oh maybe what they're saying is right but then through talking to other people or really reflecting I'm able to see that like this don't have nothing to do with me this has everything to do with them um and you have to be careful when people do that type of thing because you could think that people are trying to do you well or give you sound advice but a lot of times people's advice is really based on their own experiences so you have to be able to decipher what is for you and what is not for you so let me give you an example um I remember one time when I was still living in DC, I was going to apply for some role. I don't even remember what the role is. And if Ellis is listening, she'll know this incident and like off the top of her head. So I was applying for some role or maybe I wasn't even applying yet. Someone had mentioned to me that I should apply. And I shared it with one of my coworkers who I considered a friend. And instantly she was like, oh, well, I applied for that. And they told me no. And I was just like, oh, okay. well, you know, they mentioned it to me. So I'm going to look into it. And immediately I was like, I consider her smart. She's been teaching longer than me. She has a doctorate. So I was like, oh, well, if they told her no, maybe I shouldn't do it. But then I was just like, well, it doesn't hurt to try. I'm always that person when jobs come up, like it doesn't hurt to apply because all they can do is say no. So I was still considering it. Um, and then this, this friend ended up like making a whole scene, crying, yelling, basically bashing me. She was just like, how dare they ask you when I'm more certified or have more credentials than you. And they still ask you like, it doesn't make sense to me. We had even wrote like some curriculum together for summer school and she didn't get the opportunity on her own. I was given the opportunity, but I was going to split the money with her. So like I gave her like the opportunity to be like, oh, we can write this together and I'll give you half and I'll keep half. But she was just like, oh yeah, like I've done most of the curriculum stuff and you're still getting credit for it. And like in my head in that moment, I was like, where is all this coming from? This is very much so left field. Like all I said is I was going to get more information about the role. And what happened was in that moment, it's just like she felt insecure and not getting something that someone considered me for and began to project her own insecurities on me by basically trying to make me feel shitty for even wanting to try. And I think sometimes that like one is really hard to experience that. So when it was happening to me, it took two other women to tell me that it was happening because I couldn't even process in my head what was happening or why she felt so passionate about me even going up for an opportunity. And I think and this could be another episode. Sometimes friendships only work when one person plays one role, meaning that you can't get too much out of character because then that person no longer feels that they can play their character role in the friendship. Meaning that like, if you're always the one that's coming to someone complaining or needing advice, the other person does not know what to do when you no longer need their advice. I mean, hopefully all this is making sense. So recently, up to maybe three weeks ago, with starting my podcast, a lot of people have been giving me feedback. And in the beginning, I wanted feedback to see like what I can change or, you know, do better so people can so the listening experience can be a little better but like I've had people basically try to tell me how to like run my podcast or how things were better when I've done this or you know I've involved these people and to be honest with you at first I thought like oh maybe 
they're right. Maybe I shouldn't do my podcast like this anymore. Or maybe like, you know, I should consider these things when making episodes. So I instantly became insecure because I was just like, I'm just hearing too many things from too many people. And what I can say is that like when I looked at the numbers, because numbers don't lie. Some of my highest numbers were on like episodes when I w- was my true self. So like one of my episodes with the highest amount of numbers is the middle child episode. And the middle child episode is where I talk about like my love for HBCUs and about like the white people storming the Capitol. And I feel as though that was one of the episodes where I was really myself, but I began to doubt myself and was like, oh, you know, maybe I need to add other people or maybe I need to do this to make it more funny. And yeah, and I was like, no, let me look back at the numbers. And when it came out to be is that like, that was that person's projections on me. It had nothing to do with me in general because the numbers weren't confirming those statements or the numbers weren't necessarily supporting the feedback that I was getting from people. And what I can say is that like, honestly, People need to deal with their own shit before putting it on other people. Meaning that like, if it's something that you want to do in life and you see someone else doing it, don't shoot them down with so much negativity where it's like, damn, should I be doing this? When instead you should develop your own craft and do that thing that you want to do. Or you can still celebrate somebody when they're doing the thing that you want to do. Because one thing about it, there's multiple people selling food selling sneakers selling purses and we still buy sneakers and purses from different people we're not just saying that we're only buying it from one place so in the world of things there is room for everybody um if you're committed you can become anything in this world because it's just like being committed and seeing things develop over time i think another way we're like um I be saying it all the time is like, I be like, ins- your insecurities are spewing. And what I mean by that is like, don't lay your unwork, your undone work in yourself on me. Like, just because you feel insecure in something doesn't mean that I should feel insecure in something. Just because you don't believe in yourself and I do, I shouldn't feel like I can't boast in my confidence just because it makes you uncomfortable. You need to go home, do that self-work, call up a therapist, call up a friend, talk it out, talk to Jesus, talk to somebody, but don't talk to me because it has nothing to do with me. And I think a lot of times with women is that like, we sometimes, we don't even know what we're doing it, but like you kind of shoot other women down because you feel insecure about something, right? Like, or you'd be like, oh, I think you should do it this way because you didn't do it that way. And like, it has nothing to do with them. So when you show up into spaces, make sure that you're your best self. And if you're not your best self, make sure that you're keeping all those areas of growth in your pocket and not putting those on other people. And I think the people that are getting that type of insecurities placed on them, you need to be able to determine like when it's happening and just be able to like walk away from that conversation or call it out. Um, Because a lot of times people's insecurities have nothing to do with you. And then recently, here's another one. So as you know, I'm in education. And right now I serve as like a dean of students. So we had positions available in the school and I was like excited to apply for a role. But then after talking to someone, I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't apply because this person said that this was their experience or this person didn't believe that I would be great in this role. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't apply. And I began to doubt myself. And it took me quickly to be like, I'm not that person. We don't have the same credentials. We don't have the same experiences. So fuck that. I'm still going to shoot my shot. And I think you can't even tell people those type of things because it makes them uncomfortable that like when they feel as though they're confident that other people can point out when they're insecure. 
And I think back when I was like young, early in my career, where I was acting a pure fool, like showing up in spaces the wrong way. And older people used to put me to the side and be like, Lauren, you shouldn't do this. And that's the only way I'm able to know like now at 29 that you can't show up into those spaces. So it's only from experience that I'm able to say these things. But like a lot of times, like we just want to be or like we're insecure that someone is going up for the same thing that we're going up for. So we say things and I think we don't have to do that. Like just be supportive. I will never be insecure of anyone that's applying for the same thing I'm applying for. Or if I had a bad experience with applying for something, the type of advice I would give is like, you know, this was my experience. This is what I would have done differently. And you take it for what it is. Every time someone gives you advice, it doesn't mean that you need to take it or it is worth worthy of keeping. Sometimes you just got to hear things and let it go out of one ear and out of the another. And I'm going to say this directly to black women because this has mainly been my experience with women and then black women in general is that like we have to be careful of that because we're always talking about women empowerment or always talking about, you know, we're here for each other. But a lot of times we're only here for one another when one person is staying in their category or they're not outdoing us, you know. If this is your friend and you want them to do well, I want my friends to do well, even if I'm not doing as well as I want to do. Because if anything, my friends are going to serve as motivation. Or if I want my friend to have a better opportunity than that I had, I'm going to be like, oh, this is what happened to me. So let me share some of these experiences with you so it can guide you as you move through. And it's like that. It's not me saying, oh, they didn't hire me, so you're not going to get it. Or um, I wasn't successful in this, so you shouldn't do it. Because it, it, it doesn't mean the same thing. We're two different people. And I think we have to start showing up in the spaces where we're able to say, you know, can I offer advice on this? Am I the best person to offer advice on this? Or should I just be quiet? Because there's certain shit I won't offer advice on at all. There's certain shit. It's just not my expertise, so I'm just going to keep quiet. And I think sometimes we think advice is like something worthy. Everyone can give advice because it's kind of like opinions. Everyone has one. And with opinions, it's just jaded based on perception and based on that individual. So you need to be very careful when you're taking people advice because it's not always that great. Yeah, I think we all should just invest in therapists because a lot of people have a lot of undone work inside of them. Um, I think another thing that I've done when like hearing people give me advice for shit that has nothing to do with me, I'm just like, that's not my experience. It's not my experience. So I've recently like, um, like built new relationships with people and I'm sharing it with like some of my friends and they're just like, Oh no, you should be careful. Oh girl, are you sure? Like I've heard these type of things in the past and I'm just like, for real, for real. Not because, you know, in my mind, I want to be like, shut the fuck up. Like, this is not why I came to you. But in a bigger scheme, I'm just like, oh, that's not my experience. That's my famous line. That's not my experience. Like, if I want to be like, oh, I'm applying for a job and my supervisor's like, oh, you shouldn't. That's not my experience. Or I'm telling my friend, like, oh, I want to go to this store. And they're like, oh, don't go there because they do this. That's not my experience. Um, Or, you know... I want to try this, but I'm a little unsure. Well, girl, you shouldn't because da, 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 uh, that's not my experience. And you just have to shut people down like that. It's not even like saying that their experience is invalid. It's just like, that's not my experience. So you're not going to put that on me. And I think as an adult, you got to call that shit out. Also, another thing you have to do, because I'm reading this book about boundaries, is like have clear boundaries on like what you want from your friends. So sometimes you go to your friends just to vent. Sometimes you go to your friends to seek advice. And sometimes you go to your friends where you just want them to listen. Set the boundary when you enter a conversation. Because sometimes people be thinking that they're Oprah. They think they miss Van Zandt. Or they think that they're some Dr. Phil. And you're not. I don't need your advice. I just need you to listen. 
Or I just wanted to share this with you. I don't need you to tell me your story. So that's what you got to do. And I think when we're talking about boundaries, the last thing is like, I think you have to budget your peace. So let's just say this. I have learned during a pandemic that I have a few people that I consider friends that I don't think are my friends. And what I say by that, it's not that they've done anything wrong to me, like directly, like it's not like, you know, they've done anything to hurt me. But as I grow and mature, I realize that when I talk to these people, I feel more drained after talking to them. Or I feel like I can't be my whole self with these people because it's just like, am I going to offend this person? Or do I have to make myself smaller so they don't feel insecure? Um, can I be able to share my true feelings with this person without them being in their feelings? And what I've learned is that it's not even that we don't have to be friends anymore. I need to place you into certain buckets and knowing like which friends I can do what with. And like some people are just not my friends. These are not people that really do anything for my spirit because I remember um, I was talking to like someone I consider a life coach and she was just like a lot of people are bonded by trauma. And when I look back at some of my relationships with people is that it's really built on like some bad experience that we experienced together. And we've just kind of built a relationship based off that. And now that the trauma no longer exists, we don't have really anything to build from. So I think it's best to like do your friend evaluation and determine why you're really friends or determine like what's really going on and just determine if you want to still be friends with them sometimes yeah you might have been built on trauma but it's developed into something else or it could be something like well y'all were built on true alignment and now y'all are not aligned anymore I think ending friendships don't need to always mean that something bad has happened but it could just mean that we've outgrown each other and similar to like insecurities and projections like we have to outgrow these stages in our lives and be careful of how we show up. So that's just my little main topic on like my experience with flight projections and insecurities. I'll be interested in knowing like your experience. So like if I post something, you can share your experiences at the bottom or if like you have different views, that'd be a great way to start a discussion. But yeah, um, in all things, I think this is about it. As always, continue to listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Continue to like and repost my posts. And as always, um, you know, tune in every two weeks for your new updated episode. Peace and love. It's your girl, Lauren. Bye.